Welcome once again to the Casper Podcast, where we take a deep dive into blockchain technology and speak with those who are building the future of the decentralized web. I'm your host, Joe Benzo, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Schaffnit from the Casper Association. Thanks again for joining me today, Matt. Absolutely. Today, we're joined by Michael Steuer. Michael is a true Web3 pioneer and visionary that's been in the tech space since the early days of the web. Michael has over two decades of experience in digital content, entertainment, interactive applications, and gaming. Today, he's the Chief Technology Officer at Make, the company behind the Casper Wallet, among a suite of other decentralized applications on top of Casper. Michael, thanks a lot for joining us today on the Casper Podcast. Maybe if you can give the listeners just a quick background on who you are, what is Make, and uh, your path to Casper. So I've been on the forefront of successive generations of technology, or what we call the web, whether it's one, two, or three, for about 25, somewhere between 25 and 30 years. Uh, started uh, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, where I'm from, in e-commerce in the mid-90s, and quickly pivoted to mobile technology. And at the time, in the, in the mid-90s, that meant text-based applications, right? Text ABC to one, two, three to get your horoscope for 99 cents a pop and those kinds of things. I then built the largest network of interconnected wireless carriers across Europe with over a hundred mobile operators interconnected to a, to a central uh, platform, allowing enterprises such as McDonald's and MTV and RTL and Time Warner to interact with their customer base in a uniform way across the entire continent for the first time. So that's how I started in mobile applications. But then as networks and devices evolved, by the early 2000s, we arrived at 2G networks. It was very exciting and 16-color screens, which was amazing. And I joined uh, one of the top three video game publishers uh, in the world at the time, a company called THQ, uh, as their CTO for mobile. And in a joint venture with Siemens Mobile, uh, THQ developed the first Java virtual machine for mobile devices and put put the first downloadable mobile games on a cell phone. Uh, So I was really there uh, for kicking off the mobile gaming industry and what later became the multi-trillion dollar app economy. And then for the next uh, 20 years, I continued to be involved in, in a lot of firsts across multiple industries and technologies, very much so in mobile and gaming. But um, let me fast forward to my involvement in blockchain. In about 2012, I was the CTO of a social and mobile gaming company in Santa Monica called Glacino. I had co-founded that several years earlier with a number of other entrepreneurs and investors. Our office uh, sort of became the epicenter of the West Coast crypto world and projects like Tether were literally founded in our meeting room. So I got involved in some of these projects as an advisor or investor early on, but I didn't really dive in full time until much later when around 2017 or 2018, we sold Placino and my business partner, Alex Kelly and I founded May. This is at the height of the 2017 and 2018 ICO boom, where everyone is saying blockchain is going to take over everything. In a couple of years, there won't be any banks anymore. Your mortgage company is going to get replaced by a blockchain. And next month, you'll be able to track your breakfast cereal from your table all the way back to the seeds of the corn it grew from. You have to understand that uh, I've always been a pragmatist. So we co-founded Casper Labs in 2018 to become a realistic blockchain partner to enterprises. We ended up writing a product specification that was focused on the pragmatic approach to enterprise adoption. One where blockchain comes in to augment an enterprise's existing stack in order to do what it is really uniquely good at provides trustless verification and consensus while leaving everything else to the components that are better suited for it. 
And that continues to be Casper Labs' approach today. And I continue to believe that it's on the best path to unlock a multi-trillion dollar industry. Yeah, Michael, I think that speaks very convincingly, first of all, to your background and your understanding of, of this space. Where does your thought process go in terms of like, you know, multi-chain ecosystems, the unique advantages or your your commitment to open sourcing code for Casper, for example, and and, and where do you see things going as a pragmatist in this space that others are are overlooking? At Make, uh, and I know at Casper broadly as well, we're big believers in open source. Uh, Make is uh, probably one of the top, if not the top, contributor of open source code in the, in the Casper ecosystem, next to obviously Casper Labs. In the last two to three years, we have open sourced somewhere between 20 and 30 projects for Casper. What is the value of open source to you? Can you kind of like just expand on that, the, the importance of, of why open source, first of all? Sure. So I was first exposed to open source myself in the late 90s when I became a very, very small contributor to a project called uh, Curl. I saw the power of, of people from all over the world contributing their their time, their effort, their knowledge, and and working for for a common good and a common outcome. But in in the in the crypto space, Casper, I know, has taken a sort of maximally open approach to development and open sourcing of its codes as well as its governance, right? There's, it's completely permissionless. Anybody can start up a, uh, a validator. It's not some council that gets to the sites uh, who runs the network. Network is run by the community. And that's a commitment that I believe it has made in, in, in perpetuity. That is uh, something that we can all take uh, collective ownership of and collective pride in and, and work for common good on together. Wow, that's a really great point, Michael. And I think that we are taking the right steps in that. And it's definitely a transitional, evolving process. You know, one thing that you said at the beginning about e-commerce was like, okay, you've gone through several iterations. So the first part of the question is, how is that relative to where we are in blockchain as we go across that maturity curve? So that's part one. Part two, as you look at that evolution and you struck it on the head when you said, Casper is uncompromisingly permissionless. Do you believe also that the permissionless open source blockchain is the path to the corporate ecosystem because it's kind of what proves out that thesis? Obviously, blockchain as a technology is still very much in the process of finding its mass adoption, right? The market for blockchain-enabled applications is uh, probably measured in the uh, hundreds of millions, not in the, in the billions yet. So how do we get to true mass adoption? So I think there are two paths to that. One is uh, clearly through enterprise, right? Onboarding, for example, a single wireless carrier with 100 million subscribers will open more wallets than almost any other project to date in our industry. That is clearly the strategy that Casper Labs as a, as a company is pursuing. And then there is mass adoption on sort of the product and consumer front. And I think there is a lot that we've learned over the last 25 plus years, whether it's e-commerce or the whole evolution of, of mobile gaming. And there's a lot that happened between then and now. So I, I very much believe that intuitive and user-friendly user experience is, is extremely important. The tech that you're looking for mass adoption for, it has to be easier to use than the tech that it's trying to supersede or else it will fail. An example is iPhone became dominant. They were the first smartphones, right? We had Symbian OS before them, uh, Palm OS, BlackBerry OS. They all failed because of uh, basically poor user experience. Then I think it's very important that you have a way of ensuring repeat engagement. Everybody uses email and instant messaging and social. 
because it keeps pulling you back in. It's way too easy to try a crypto project and never come back. This is how wallets end up on landfills, right? People don't remember they interacted with something and it's a one and done experience. And we are introducing at Make a number of tools to enable this for developers, including things like in-app notifications that any dApp developer can leverage going forward. Michael, are, are you referring to uh, also the features that uh, are just recently launched in Casper Wallet? What are some of the biggest features that surprised you from a UX standpoint or from you know a feature request uh, that was needed that's now going to be implemented or that is implemented now into the Casper Wallet? So we ran a successful open beta with about 10,000 participants. We got a lot of feedback, so much so that we had to use an AI tool in order to process it because it was just too much to process. From a UI UX perspective, we're very happy with what we delivered because the feedback was pretty much universally positive, as in it's a breeze to use, it's fast, it's snappy, it looks great, feels better than a lot of the other products out there. That, that, that was fantastic. From a feature request perspective, it was more or less in line with, with what we are expecting. So that's uh, things like native uh, NFT and ERC20 functionality in the wallet, native transfers, Mobile client, very big, that's in development. Ledger integration is also a much asked request. Uh, and then integration with uh, with other parties such as swaps and on-ramps. Uh, and we're excited about uh, launching uh, CSPR.name later this year as well. Uh, so Casper name service that will be supported by uh, not only Casper Wallet and Casper Live, but essentially many of the tools and wallets and, and platforms in our ecosystem that are also using our uh, CSPR.clouds. So, so Michael, like a, a lot of these network effects that it sounds like you're giving the opportunity built in, how do you feel that, uh, for example, NFTs may play a role? Because I noticed there are some NFT capabilities, at least, uh, you know, looking at your NFT, uh, NFT collectors can see that directly in the wallet. That's not something super typical right now uh, with, with a lot of wallets, but like what, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, NFTs as opposed to just uh, crypto? So NFTs are uh, interesting. So... I see the gaming industry as an obvious area where NFTs will become more and more important. The gaming industry leads the charge with uh, with the real adoption of uh, of new technologies. I think uh, we'll soon see less and less of the monkey pictures and more and more applications of true ownership of digital assets that have an actual real world value. It's funny, those monkey pictures are actually driving a lot of the gamer adoption uh, into the space as kind of the core asset in order to be participating in the larger gaming ecosystem that you're, you know, describing. I really think we haven't uh, scratched the surface on, on the gaming industry and the gaming opportunity in blockchain yet, right? Last few years was really, again, I don't want to offend anybody, but it was a bunch of crypto bros trying to put a gaming front on on, yeah. on a crypto project. And it wasn't the gaming industry trying to find a, a true application of blockchain in sort of game native projects. And I think that's what we're starting to see. I couldn't have said it better. As the industry goes from tech to product, and you've seen that multiple times in your career, I'm sure, and what you were basically describing was an out-of-the-box solution that addresses some of the interoperability issues, some of the like normal just pains that the average user would feel, and that's where I believe personally that we're at that inflection point. 
uh, speaking more about NFTs, like what is the potential of NFTs? You guys are are building infrastructure around NFTs on Casper. We have uh, a huge community that is interested in NFTs, not only for you know silly pictures, but expanding the utility around what what Casper can provide NFTs. Um, what do you see the potential there for for Casper, and what do you get? What are you building? So we're doing a lot of things in the NFT space. As I mentioned before, Casper Wallet will support uh, NFTs natively in in the wallet. Uh, we were also uh, involved in helping Casper Labs actually expand the CP78 NFT standards. And we are launching CSPR.market and it will fully integrate with the other components in the CSPR product suite, meaning Casper Live, Casper Wallet, Casper Click. We're working with gaming companies and others on their integration with, uh, with the Casper platform, with the Casper network. And for many of those, they'll want to host their own storefronts, if you will, or their own NFT marketplaces. That's something that we will be powering. We are also bringing on a lot of interesting contents onto this uh, marketplace and have some announcements uh, coming out in the next few weeks that we hope will excite the community. Yeah, very excited. And just to wrap it up, Michael, like, so you, you know, you've got this uh, deep history from web one, two, and three. Uh, you understand kind of like the, the, the product life cycles and also kind of mass adoption of, of some of these big trends. Where do you think that we're at in terms of realizing the, you know, kind of mass um, adoption of, of some of these things that we've, we've talked about already? Maybe it's gaming, maybe it's, you know, just just blockchain in general or uh, the broader awareness of, of what Web3 can can offer industry and, and, and enterprise. Where are we at in the spectrum on, on timeline for blockchain adoption? Uh, if, if we're talking like uh, the analogy to Internet in 1995, I would answer that we were probably still in the 90s somewhere, but there's a long way to go. Well, Michael, we appreciate everything that you're doing for, for this space. Happy to have you uh, working so diligently on, on a lot of things, but also for the Casper ecosystem as well. Thank you, uh, Joe and Matt. I appreciate it. Wow, that was a great episode, Joe. What do you think? I mean, Michael Stoyer, you know, he's got a rich history, you know, in, in technology and at the forefront of a lot of uh, emerging technologies in the past, over the past 20, 30 years, as he mentioned, and it's great to have somebody like him building out the Casper ecosystem. Really great insights. I mean, I think that background really shines through. And I think those fine points that Michael kind of tops things off with when it comes to these ecosystems, which we've been kind of interacting with, it's interesting. Well, that's it. We're pretty much out of time. But if you'd like to be on the Casper podcast, send us a message. We'd love to hear what you're building and what you're working on. From myself and Matt at the Casper Association, keep building and we'll see you on the other side.